Hi, I'm Greg Ulan with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Today's a great day. I get to sit down in studio with uh, the one and only Cliff Banks, founder of Autovate and the Banks Report. Cliff, thanks so much for joining. It's great to be here, Greg. Yeah, I think absolutely. this is our third time uh, it is. Uh, doing the podcast. Yeah, so, so the first two have been kind of offsite at NAD. Yes, though. yeah, uh, correct. So this one, you know, a little, little clearer head. Um, yes, right, not not, maybe off. not as tired, or, uh, <laughs> not as much uh, noise or distractions going on. Yeah, right. so so thanks for coming in. You know, made the made the drive down from Detroit, right. and uh, always appreciate it. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, Cliff, one of the things um, you're you're one of the insiders, it seems like, that has information before everybody else, right? And and I love that about you and your your ability to analyze it and, right. and kind of have a take on it that oftentimes is a little bit different than others. So um, I don't know, what what's top of mind for you right now in the industry, um, you know, wh- as far as what's going to have an impact on the industry as a whole, but also dealers specifically? Right, right. Well, I mean, it's, there's so many things, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I wrote, uh, I think, five or six years ago that, that we were heading into probably the most uncertain period in our industry's history. And I think right now we are right at the forefront of that. And we, we could liken it to a hurricane, Greg, where we've had the weather reports. We know you've been watching this come. Right. And now we're starting to feel the, the first winds of that hurricane. And that really right now, I think, is probably the EV the electric yeah. vehicle dynamic. Uh, uh, and I don't know that we're going to have any clarity as to the impact of that quote unquote transformation or transition, if you will, uh, for another three to four years. I mean, we, we've got 30 vehicles, 30 EV launches coming sure. you know, this year. GM has a couple of key launches coming up second half of the year. Uh, but, you know, we get into 24, there's probably 50 or so, and then another 50 or so in 2025. Uh, the big question is, will the customers buy? Right. I mean, will they be interested? And there's mixed data out there. Yeah. Obviously, Tesla shows that there's interest, and it's Tesla right now and everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that's, you know, everyone brings up the infrastructure question, and I think it's not just infrastructure of charging, and that's what everyone thinks about, but it's also uh, infrastructure, industry infrastructure um, Mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, manage the impact of what does it do to vehicle residuals? How does it impact the auctions? Yeah. What does it do to dealership service departments? There's there's just so many things to, to, uh, to look at. And I, you know, I, you know, like I said, we have mixed data. Yeah. Right now as to what the customers are looking for. And and it's hard to cut through. It's hard to cut through that data right now because we have the Inflation Reduction Act that we, uh, with the uh, the tax incentives. Right. What impact, if any, is that having on sales? I, you know, we don't I don't know that we can tell that now. I mean, you know, there's some theories, but I, I think it's too soon. Uh, Inventory is piling up. Yeah. I think the latest uh, numbers show 91, 92 days supply for EVs. Uh, people blame the dealers, like to blame the dealers for not being able to sell them. But you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the dealer's fault right. at all. I right. just, I think it's just, it's, it's just this maelstrom of uncertainty that that mm-hmm. we are still going to have over the next three to four or five years before we have any clarity on what it looks like coming out of that. So. Yeah. And are there any um, comparables that you know of in history where, because dealers are going to figure this out, 
I mean, at the end of the day, right, we, it's a collective it's, group of the most resilient entrepreneurs on the planet. Right. right? It's so, not just dealers. I mean, it's the banks. It's the finance. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's a collaboration or, you know, the whole combination of the industry. But, yeah, I think we can figure out. But to your point, I mean, dealers have to be the ones selling. Right. Right. So when you think about that um, – and one of the things, too, you mentioned residuals, right? And I think that carries over certainly on the EVs because we just don't know. Right. Um, but it also has can have at least a big impact on ICE vehicles and residual values there, right? If, if demand is extremely high for ICE vehicles and low mileage used ICE right. vehicles, yes. um, it, clearly residuals are going to go up on those vehicles if, if demand is there. So um, it, that'll be interesting. That'll right. We'll right. see what happens over but, time. But on the flip side, yeah. if the demand is there on – for EVs, and if mm-hmm. customers are start buying EVs in mass, yeah. that could drive down the residual values of the ICE vehicles that are on the roads are being sold today significantly. So that's true, yeah. and, and I think you might see also uh, pockets in the country sure. where you're going to see drastic differences yeah. in the value of a used so, vehicle. Uh, yeah, yeah, right? the so regional market differences are, which will be it'll be really interesting to watch. And yeah. then you know, the more we can shrink at least the United right. States, right, when it comes to vehicle sure. delivery, um, even from auction, right, where a dealer can source right. from, from anywhere, have it delivered, right. um, factor in the, the transportation fees and everything else, um, that can make a big difference. I mean, if there's a $5,000 gap between, you know, a vehicle in, in right. uh, on the West Coast in L.A. Right. and in, um, I don't know, Kansas City, right. right, why not ship it and, yes. and you more than cover your, your right. cost. Right, right. So it, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see, for sure. Um, what what bets are you seeing uh, be made, or, or you know maybe even looking back in history, has there even been a time where we've had this much of a, uh, a kind of shift where dealers have made bets and been right? Um, and, and if not, you know what are you seeing, or maybe what are some opportunities that you're, yeah, you see out wow. there for dealers? Look, I mean, I. Uh, I think the bet right now, it probably is on two levels. One, do I sell or do I stay? Okay. Do I exit the business or do I stay? And my my thinking is if you're going to stay, you got to get big. If you're going to stay in the business, you you have to know, make sure you have access to capital and uh, and are willing to, to use that capital to buy stores and buy a lot of stores. When I say, and, and that number, that word a lot could have a different definition based on your size. But, sure. but certainly you need to get, I think, you know, getting, getting to that 10 to 20 level is probably important. Why? Well, the the investments in technology that mm-hmm. dealers have to make, um, I think, are so, so huge. I think it's also important to build somewhat of a regional or local market powerhouse. Uh, yeah, and I'm not, listen, there are going to be some dealers, single point dealers that are incredible and will remain incredible and will remain forces within their communities sure. for sure. But I think that number is dwindling significantly. Um, so, yeah, you know, you have to look at your, you know, do you have that fire in your gut that you're going to want to ride this this uh, hurricane and, and this transformation or transition over the next few years uh, and come out on the other side as a as a powerful effective business or do you you know you're looking at the money being paid to dealerships yeah 
you know, we just a huge, huge uh, sale recently with uh, Hendrickson Toyota going to the Morgan Auto Group, mm-hmm. group and that was a just rumored to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, single point transaction in history. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had some other big ones. LA uh, sold his Crown Toyota store to Swickard uh, last year. That was another huge, huge uh, transaction. So when you start thinking about that kind of money, you know, it's it's easy to see why dealers would exit. But whether they believe the business is going to be viable moving forward or the industry, the retail industry is going to be viable. Look, we, we've and we've talked about this in the past, right. but uh, the dealer model is not going away. I, you know, right. there, there's there, there's always talk about direct to consumer, but uh, but at the end of the day, I, the manufacturers always come back to the fact that that uh, the dealer is a necessary sure. and uh, integral piece of the model. And, yeah. Uh, so. Know, so let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, okay. When you think about the dealer, right? Yeah, sure. And, and I look at it as if you're there, right? Um, you're there because you add value. Right. At some level or another, you right. add value to, to somebody else, right? right? So for the dealer, they're adding value to the consumer. They're adding value to the manufacturer. And, and in addition, they're adding value in a lot of other places too. Um, you know, the, the lenders, um, sure. insurance providers. There's a lot of people right. that are, are um, benefiting. And the dealer's benefiting as well. It's a, sure. it's a two-way street. Um, but as you, you look at the industry today and going forward, um, and maybe even looking backwards, right? Because we've seen this before where you know, the OEMs want more control. And, right, and, right. Where what are those core elements where the dealer is adding value and, and will continue to add value into the future for all parties? Yeah. Well, all right. So, you know, I've had this conversation numerous times and always invariably, you know, we point to Tesla as well. But Tesla has survived without retail model. And I'll, I'll admit, I think I was I've probably called that one wrong over time. I thought that not having a, a distribution network. Out, that outside of the Tesla, but that was independent. Not having that was would be a a uh, uh, disadvantage for, for Tesla. It clearly hasn't been. Sure. Uh, but Tesla was built from the ground up. Not a legacy player, uh, and there. I don't think there's been great reporting. There's been some, but I don't know. There's been some great reporting around the impact on the service side. Not having dealers, I mean, and certainly it's been leaked a few times that dealers are providing service for Tesla vehicles now. Sure. Um, so the the advantages that dealers bring, I, um, I, I had this conversation in Phoenix recently. Uh, someone, an Uber driver, with an Audi e-tron. Okay. And he. Uh, was just ripping the deal. He said, I wish I could have bought this from Audi directly. Huh. And I asked him why, and we, you know, we walked through the the whole experience he had, and it was a, uh, the dealer was marking the vehicle up significantly, mm-hmm. and he just, you know, the, the buyer was having none of it. He, he was not, wasn't interested, and, and that frustrated him. And so I, I pointed out, but you ended up buying the vehicle. And he goes, ah, oh, but I went to a different dealership. And I asked him, well, what was that like? And he said, well, I got it for MSR. I got it for list price, and it was a great experience. <laughs> I said, well, okay, there's your marketplace at work. You had a business that you were 
doing that you went to first, didn't like it, didn't like the experience or the price, you made a decision, you found one that provided you what you wanted. Now, you take that away, and if you're going to Audi directly, you have no choice. You That's have right. to, if you want that e-trine, you've got to buy it from Audi, whether that experience is horrible or the, the price is terrible, you have no choice if you want that e-trine. So, you know, the, the market's going to weed out the dealers that that uh, don't understand that. I sure. think that, that that can't provide that customer service. So I think that really inherently is just from a pure capitalist position. You know, I think uh, I think uh, that that's one advantage. Obviously, the service network. Sure. You know, component of that. Um, you know, and, and I mean, you could just go into a whole conversation about whether it's protectionism to not allow manufacturers, legacy manufacturers, sell their vehicles. But I think it's actually protecting the choice and protecting uh, the marketplace yeah. by by uh, putting some limits on what the manufacturers can do with their with their dealers. That's a good perspective. Yeah, right. That's a good perspective. Um, so as we look at as we look at dealers, and there's there's a lot of um, players that that they're involved with, right? And and they find a lot of ways. That the one thing that I love about uh, dealers as entrepreneurs is their ability to identify an area that um, they can they can provide value, right? They can right. help with. You know, you look at something as basic as lining up financing. Um, sure. You know, that's a very important part of their business, but it's also important for the consumer. It's important for the, right. the lender. Right. Um, so they're effectively a broker there, right? Right. And, right. and they do a great job with that. Um, so there's a lot of value there. But what are some of the other areas that you see dealers dabbling in or you think would be interesting uh, for them to dabble in? You know, earlier uh, earlier today we were chatting and you were talking about fleet. Uh, one of the things that, that forever intrigues me is this idea of the ownership experience, right? And I sure. think about a car, right? right. And my vehicle today, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna decide to buy that vehicle again, or at least that, that right. make again, um, because of my everyday experience with it, right? I touch that thing twice a day, if not more. Right. Um, I'm in it. It's it's a part of who I am, right. right? And that's the same for all of us. Right. So with that in mind, how can the dealer help with that ownership experience? That's that's something that that I find really interesting, especially as we move into this more sure. connected era. Yeah. Well, I think you well, know, for a few years ago, you know, we were watching. And dealers were starting to play around with subscription-based models. Yeah. That didn't pan out. They just couldn't make it pencil. Um, and the, you know, it's you know still in play and rearing its head again. I, I don't know that it's a true subscription play, but I think from a fleet and loaner perspective, uh, if I as a customer, and listen, I, I'll tell you, I take. We drive, we own Honda Odyssey, and mm -hmm. there's a Bell tire uh, around the, you know, the five minutes from the house. Honda dealership, you know, 10 minutes from the house. I would, I, I would prefer to take it to the Honda dealership. Right. Right. Um, but there's this uncertain factor, uncertainty factor, where I just don't know what that experience is going to be like. Um if that dealership could promise me, and I could know for sure that if I drop my vehicle off, I can have that loaner, mm -hmm. the loaner that I need for my family, I would take it there every time, whether the cost was more or not. Now, right now, I mean, you know, the Bell tire is, isn't the big repairs, but it's all the, you know, it's the 
tires and brakes and oil sure, changes and whatnot. But but uh, if if the dealerships made it simpler mm-hmm. for the customer to do business from a service perspective. But again, the reality is some of those service lanes are backed up. Right. They don't, you know, they, they can't handle the business, mm-hmm. uh, that business. So it's not in their best interest to to make it simpler right now, I guess. Right. Uh, I'm st- I, I still got to go back to them to buy a car, mm-hmm. right? Whether the service experience is terrible or not. Yeah. So I, but I would hope that as, you know, as we get deeper into this decade, and you know, we see companies like Dealerware, Holman, and others you know, that provide fleet services. That that and, and the technology behind you know behind the scenes is going to to enhance that ownership experience right. at a much greater level on the server side. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's that's a really important piece. Is it's not like. Anybody in a dealership, certainly the dealer, but sure. anybody working in a dealership is trying to provide a poor experience, right? They want to no, provide right, a great experience. Right. Um, if you've ever worked retail, you, you always want to, right? But right. when you have three people standing at the counter in front of you and the phone's ringing and two on hold, it's it's not easy. So, right. you know, how can how can we help? And I'm speaking on, on Reynolds here, but like how, right. can, how can we help make those things yeah. easier? Because yeah. everybody wants to provide a great experience. Sure. Nobody's sitting there going, you know what? I don't care. I well, don't. I, you know, I think the connected vehicle piece moving forward, and we've talked about this at length, and I've been writing about this for years. Right. I mean, I didn't go back to 2016, 2017. But listen, and I, you know, I would love for my car to tell me verbally, right, Cliff, we're going to need new front brakes here in two months. ABC Motors has a slot open on Wednesday, you know, Wednesday night at 5.30 p.m. Which loaner vehicle would you like? Um now, and think about this. I could, uh, as a deal, I mean, think about some of the packaging, some of the F&I packages. Sure. You know, if, if, I'm a, if I purchase that platinum package, then you come and pick up my car for me and drop the loaner off, no questions asked. Uh, I don't even have to worry about setting an appointment. I mean, there's so many things I, I think that, and dealers are doing some of that today. Sure. But I'm talking and incorporating the vehicle into the connected vehicle into that so that it already knows my calendar. It's already, you know, integrated or t- talked to the uh, the dealership service scheduler, yeah. parts department. If the part's not there, it's already made sure, ordered the parts from the supplier and made sure it's getting shipped. And it will be there in time for my appointment. I show up, concierge is staying there with the Diet Coke that they know that I like and has the loaner vehicle ready and wait, you know ready to go. Um, there's no email, there's no text from a dealer or email telling me, or a direct mail piece telling me, hey, it's time for your service you know, appointment or time right. for your maintenance. It's all done via the vehicle. Yep. And, you know, and I think certainly you guys being right in the middle of that, Technology space right. and, and you know, as the technology provider for the dealer, have a huge role in how that data gets moved and, and communicated and what it looks like and how the customer is communicated with. So mm-hmm. to me, that's the holy grail of the customer experience. I mean, if you think about the, about that, you can you know the, that creates such a wow experience for a customer. Um, well, I'll take it a step further, yeah. but I'll say, you know, what about for, for most of us, I can't I can't go to the dealership in the middle of the day. 
Right. No, I got to drop exactly. my car off either before or after yes. they close, right? Yeah. So then I can make that appointment. I can drop it off. There's a key locker there. Yeah. There's a key for the oh, yeah, sure. for the loader yeah, in right. the key locker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My keys go in. Later on that for day, sure. I get a text or it's on my my dash or whatever it is, right? right? That says, "Hey, this is what we found. Do you approve? Yes or no? Approve. Right. Um, work's done. I take the loaner back that night. Right. They're already closed, right. right? Key locker. But so so the dealership is still able to upsell, right? With pictures and right. videos, things like that. Um, and and the process is just so much smoother for everybody involved. Right. It's not just the customer, right? It's the dealership employee right. too. I, you know, and I, I think this generational AI or the large language models, yeah, yeah, really open the door and create some fascinating opportunities uh, for the industry in terms of, you know, we just saw Mercedes announce a couple of weeks ago that they are integrating a, a test or launched a test, beta test, integrating uh, Microsoft's uh, chat GPT with their telematics voice assistant yeah. program. Now, right now, it's it's a really cool parlor trick, right? Yeah. And, wow. You know, it, cool. I mean, your car's talking. You, you know, you talk about Knight Rider kit for those of <laughs> us that, uh, you know, are old enough to remember that. Um, but, uh, but if that proves successful on this level, then, then you start talking about how to integrate that generational AI or large language model into with the actual systems of the vehicle, mm-hmm. and then the vehicle, you know, is able to tell you verbally, "Hey, I need new brakes." And then you tie it to the dealership. And to your point of, uh, well, maybe I can't drop the car off during working hours. Well, instead of having a dealership employee text me something saying, hey, you know, your car is going to be, you know, your loaner here is here. Just drop drop off the keys in the box. Maybe it's the generational AI or the, you know, the, the AI conversing. Sure. With me, they say, shooting me the text saying, hey, here are the instructions. Boom. It's all. Yeah. Here's the QR done. code. Right. To, right. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of things that have to happen. The manufacturer level with their data sets and mm-hmm. data infrastructure Dealers and manufacturers have to develop more of a collaborative approach, and I think the the OEMs that find a way to truly convince their dealers that this is collaborative and and uh, we're not going to take your data and use it against you, right. and that's still a big it battle. Is. It is. But once I think if you know for the manufacturers that are able to figure that out, mm-hmm. I think you know that I think the that the the opportunities are endless on how they can weave that into their whole ownership customer yeah. experience. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so Cliff, I, I want to kind of shift gears a little yeah, bit sure. um, and talk about Autovate. So you sure. launched this conference. Uh, is this going to be the sixth? So, yeah, we it's the sixth as branded as Autovate. Okay. We had done one the year before, I mean, in 2016, that wasn't. So yeah, I say it's really the seventh event, Okay, uh, you know. Yeah, um, and we'll get into that. But sure. uh, you've also launched a few other uh, pieces yeah, around right. Autovate, right? right? So you you have a newsletter that you've launched, right? Just launched a podcast, right? Um, so talk about some of that stuff. It's it's new, so people may be interested. Yeah, in it. yeah, you know, and look, we're still trying to find the rhythm, right? And that's, you know, that's the hardest part, the, you know, <laughs> you know. So uh, you know, I haven't marketed marketed that as as intensely. Um, as I think some people would, would expect, but there's a method to the madness there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, um, so the newsletter, 
uh, you know, just a, uh, it's right now twice a month and uh, frequency mm-hmm. uh, could end up going uh, weekly. Um, so what's, what's the format? Because some yeah. newsletters, right, there'll be little little blurbs linking to an article. Some yeah. will be a long form. Yeah, yeah. I uh, you Look, with the long form, it really comes from the Banks Report, stuff mm-hmm. that I publish on the Banks Report. I mean, the newsletter that will go out this week, you know, I published a piece yesterday on the U- UAW negotiations mm-hmm. that are starting this week. And it's a rather long piece. I probably wrote too much. <laughs> but I think I wanted to – I guess I wanted to provide a primer to our audience um, that – maybe doesn't pay much attention to that world and show how, you know, what the background is, how it could play out, what the, what the challenges, issues are today, but also how it's how it could end up impacting dealers, you know, the selling those brand, the big three brands, right. say, you know, come September 14th when the, when the contract runs, uh, runs out and, and, you know, the chance, you know, just in short, I really believe there's going to be a strike. It's going to be, it's going to be, really hard to avoid that but so that's you know that that's the long form piece uh we uh you know i provide a running update on m&a deals on the tech mm-hmm. tech side and on the dealership buy sell side um we'll have you know a mid-year report on the dealership buy sells there'll be a subscriber based for the bank's report behind a paywall mm-hmm. but uh all right and we'll do a mid-year report on the tech m&a but I also, uh, it's not just, the content's not just generated by me. We, uh, you know, I look for interesting stories from different publications, uh, both industry and non-industry publications, Mm -hmm. that uh, uh, I think provide interesting perspectives and link to those stories, too. You know, I, I don't look at myself as being, us as being a competitor with automotive news or auto remarketing awards. I mean, I use you know use their content often i mean uh, because it's it's good stuff but i right. i think it's just a service that that we're providing uh i think uh the podcast yeah yeah also is going to be twice a week but as we uh in the format is uh is nick calderon who is the co-host asking quite you know asking me questions and teaming me up primarily for some of these stories sure. to talk about hey you know, we keep it to 20 to 30 minutes max. So it's pretty topical, though. It's pretty topical. Yeah. It's, it's topical, yeah. And um, But, again, we, well, what I'm trying to do with Autovate is build it out as an annual package instead of just an event. Sure. But uh, high-level sponsors that, that I think uh, provide them with a 12-month, you know, package that's mm-hmm. – that goes beyond just just an event, but but enables them to participate in the podcasts, newsletters, and whatnot. So um, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, uh, it's it's maybe a different way of looking at it. But yeah. you know, I have a long history, you know, from wards and right. you know, obviously the banks report and, and the, the short stint I did with Digital Dealer for about two years yeah. running that. So. So when you um, uh, think about the conference itself, I mean, historically, that's been pretty focused on M&A, right? Investors, M&A. Um, yeah, 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 in trends, right. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. so what do you see in that world right now? Um, kind of what's anything um, exciting? Are we kind of in a, in a summertime lull for now? What, do you, what are you seeing? Yeah, I we are in somewhat of a lull. Yeah. I mean, small deals are getting done. Uh, the... Uh, 
you know, we had a period in, I think, November, December, maybe maybe fourth quarter mm-hmm. of last year where there were some big deals that were on the table. They did not get across the finish line. Yeah. They got pulled. Uh, the markets just weren't cooperating. Um, uh, it'll be interesting. We're starting to see some stirrings outside of automotive, just on the whole IP, IPO side, yep. the initial public offerings. Uh, if a couple of these uh, bigger names outside the industry, but just you know, within the U.S. market, some of these IPOs launch successfully. You know, I, then we may see some loosening and might see some activity by the end of the year with some big names in our industry. I think there's a couple, maybe three or four po- possible big plays right now that that uh, that could happen maybe right, right around the time of Autovate. Uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll see. And, and, you know, it's not that these companies have to. I mean, right. yeah, I think they, right. they're just trying to time the market correctly. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, but some exciting. I think it'll be it'll be exciting as we get through as we get deeper down. You know, without a recession, we haven't really had a recession. Companies and banks and the markets are getting more used to the higher interest rates. Yep, uh, hasn't killed anything. So I think as you know, we'll start seeing some movement. Yeah, at some point. Now on the dealership side, though, mm-hmm. and I'll get back to automating in a second. But, sure, you know, buy sells. Uh, I think June was pretty active. We had 16. These are the one. These are the ones that have been announced. There were 16 transactions involving 39 rooftops, and that was primarily, you know, Lithia picking up 14 stores from the Priority Group in Virginia. Mm-hmm. AutoNation bought the Bob Baker Group, five stores there. Um, so, ironically, Lithia bought those 14. They bought the Ford store. Uh, outside of Georgia or in Georgia, and then they bought, uh, they sold three stores. So they were pretty active mm-hmm. in that space. But uh, July is off to uh, somewhat of a slow start, but yeah. maybe that was July 4th. But we'll see what the second half of the year looks like. Yeah. 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 Um, so when, when you see all that activity, um, in, and especially in the MA space, what impact does that have on the the retailers? Uh, you know, are there in, maybe it's historically, maybe it's looking forward to some of the ones that you were referencing. Um, is there a tangible impact that that retailers see? Because a lot of times, you know, you'll see an announcement, so and so bought so and so, right? Yeah, and then the, not not much comes of it, right? Right. So, right. so I don't know what what are the benefits or maybe not benefits, but just impact to retailers when these things happen. You know, some of the more sizable ones. Yeah, it's a. It's a case by case basis, right. you know. And I'll just I'll get specific. I mean, CDK ADP Dealer Services in 2014 spun out. Yep. The Dealer Services Group became CDK, and immediately activist investors came in. That significantly impacted the dealers, their, their customers moving forward because there were there were significant cuts made on customer service. I mean, they, and and it was all being driven by activist investors who were looking to get their money out right. of the, you know, their investment. Um, so you have that, you, you have that, uh, sometimes an acquisition, uh, s- does provide, you know, the, the seller, the selling company, you know, it does, uh, enable them with better capital, 
better, uh, you know, um, better software or better pl- or a bigger platform, marketing yeah. platform to uh, to uh, to end up providing a better service. And you know, um, many times these deals are done just to, you know, because the co- buying company is trying to position itself for an exit for a sale, hmm. and so they 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 are adding to their war chest, so to speak, and you know, the, enables them to be more creative with their numbers to get a, Interesting. a better price. So, okay. so some of it's not, sometimes these deals aren't done to even think about integrating into the company. Um, you know, so, so the way I read the tea leaves and the way I interpret some of these deals is I look at the ownership yeah. structure, mm-hmm. right? And, and if you have a long, stable company that doesn't really have any interest or showing any interest of exiting or they, they don't have private equity ownership, right. then the acquisitions that they make uh, typically are to really uh, fill holes in their solution set, sure. right? I think you guys play that play that role. Yeah. Um, I, I come at it from that approach. It's not just M&A that we look at at Autivate. I really, uh, I wanted to, well, I think one of the reasons I created even the bank support and then Autivate was to help dealers, help people understand that whole investment side of mm-hmm. the business because I didn't feel it was being yeah. covered adequately in the industry by the various publications. There was a lot of uh, misunderstanding or people just not knowing about it. Uh, but automotive retail is such a laboratory and it's, the, the environment is is just, uh, it's incredible and I love it because on the vendor side, it's founders, many of them from dealerships, Many of them still yeah. within dealerships right. that see something and go out and create a product and a solution and a company and end up living the American dream. Yeah. I mean, we've seen some some big ones. I mean, you talked about Arcona. We saw, you know, uh, um, yeah, some that have sold their companies for hundreds of millions of dollars and started with an idea. And... Uh, I think uh, for dealers, there's a lot of opportunity to invest in some of these startups right. and companies. Yeah. And so I think we're Autovate has become a place, I think, where those conversations, that education and perspective, I, I like to think we, we provide that. I think we provide an environment in which some of those conversations can start, Yeah, um, you know, uh, where people are whiteboarding in their heads. I use that term whiteboarding, but where you're sitting in the audience and you're listening to someone talk on stage. Or when I say talk, I mean, it's a Q and a with me, right? There's really aren't any presentations. So it's not sales pitches. It's true conversations, but going, well, what if, well, we do, we could provide that. We could do that. I, you know, uh, so I, there've been quite a few transactions over the last few years where, the conversation started at Autovate. Right. So, you know, it's uh, I'm still I'm still growing it and managing it. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, we have a, a great partner um, now um, with digital or uh, uh, Dash Technologies, which um, has, uh, you know, I, look, I was a, I was an entrepreneur and I was funding this thing out of my own pocket. Primarily, right. I had a partner, but. Um, but it was, uh, you know, um, I think what, what we're seeing today with some of the things that we're doing is uh, coming out of that relationship where I'm able to, you know, 
leverage some resources um, and uh, take and, and execute on the vision that I've had for for Automate and the bank support. Um, so that's great. That's great. Well, we love love seeing it for sure. Um, Cliff, you know, I could I could talk to you for, for probably well, days I know at a time. Could. I know, I know. So, uh, <laughs> but so I, do, I do want to be uh, re- respectful of your time. Anything uh, anything we haven't talked about today that we should before we jump out of here? Anything you want to touch base on? Um, wow, boy. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's uh, uh, no. I think we 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 covered the high bases. I mean, pay attention to UAW negotiations yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, as uh, we as we move forward, um, and some of the inventory that we're starting to see pile up mm-hmm. on some of these dealer lots, especially with Stellantis, and I think even with GM and Ford now is, is creeping up, is because they're looking at fortifying and you know the and preparing for the eventuality of a strike. So they want to make sure their dealer lots are. Uh, Mm-hmm. Are uh, prepared. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, so. that's a good, good call. It will be an interesting, uh, yes. interesting fall yes. for sure. So, Cliff, it's always a blast. I really appreciate you taking time. Great, and, thank uh, you so much. Yeah, love we'll, it. We'll talk again soon. Great. Okay. See. It is always fun to talk with uh, the ever-entertaining and knowledgeable Cliff Banks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, Before we hop off, don't forget you can watch or listen to all episodes of Connected on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify podcasts. And make sure to hit subscribe so you're notified every other week when new episodes are released. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in two weeks.